Thank you for tuning in to the Emerge Church Tallahassee podcast. We exist to help people follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the message from Sunday. So the, the, the Fight Club announcement is interesting because we had a guy show up Monday night with his chili. Got another guy that wanted to show up tonight. It's next Monday. Can't wait to eat some chili. I hope you guys will come out. Looking forward to Thanksgiving. Are y'all ready for Thanksgiving? Are you sure you're ready? How many got your stretchy pants ready? (laughs) Stretchy pants. All right, let's jump in before I say something that Cynthia's going to talk to me about at lunch today. Amen. (laughs) She's already giving me the look, and we ain't even got started yet. So, All All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 12. If you missed last Sunday, you probably should go back and watch that legacy pieces. Come on, God's given us some pieces in our lives to put together. Today, I'm going to continue on our legacy series, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. This has become one of my more favorite verses. Um, it's always, it always challenges me. It says, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. I've always loved that verse. This is a verse that I've prayed for our church, that as good as we can do what we do, I pray that it won't just be, wow, they're really good at the music. They're really good at the kids' program. I, I pray that our church will be known as people with a sincere heart for God. Amen. That's really what I pray. And then 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. I'm going to jump around a little bit today, okay? It says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man watches what we do on the outside and judges us. The Lord looks at our heart, and he wants to know us. Here's another verse, Luke 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them, talking about Jesus, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You're starting to pick up a theme here. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, After removing Saul, he made David their king, and God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And today I want to finish up the legacy series and I want to talk about having a heart for God. That if our legacy were to be, they had a heart for God. That he had a heart for God. She had a heart for God. That would be an incredible legacy. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather. I pray for the next few moments as we share this word that it's more than just a message with information, but it's a message that really speaks to our heart. And that's what I pray during this message, Father, that you would transform our hearts so that we will have a heart for you. And that our hearts won't be in a bunch of places and a bunch of pieces, but Father, it will be whole. It will be gathered together and a heart for you. So Lord, I pray you just use me over the next few moments just to speak and represent you. And share this in a way, Father, that causes us all to fall more in love with you. 
Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, first impressions are pretty important. Um, and a first impression could be either good or bad. And we've all been in those situations before. Um, I remember the first time I brought Cynthia to the family for a dinner. And uh, you just want it to be good because you want everybody to like her. You know what I'm saying? Only to find out they didn't have a problem liking her. They loved her from the start. But those first impressions are are pretty important. And sometimes when you get so used to doing things for a while, uh, it just it just feels like normal. You know what I'm talking about? We've done this so many times that that it doesn't it, it, you don't have that awareness as you go into it. You, you, you're not worried about some of the things or thinking about some of the things you thought of before. It's kind of like when you come to church, first time that you come here is like, what are these people doing? And what is all that smoke in here? What is all that? Oh, it makes the lights look really good. That's what it is. But you, you, you come in and uh, you, you, you want to make sure that things are good. You know, because you're trying to decide, do I want to come back here? And how are all these people going to be? Are they going to treat me right? Or are they just going to leave me alone? Because today I don't feel like it, so y'all leave me alone. Oh, there's a greeter at the door. They're not going to leave me alone. No. First impressions. And, 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 and you got your first impression. And then we got our first impression. Everybody's got first impressions. And, and they really matter. And, and as a church, honestly, we want to have a good impression. Because I don't want to interfere with anything when it comes to sharing the gospel, amen? When it comes to helping people see who Jesus is, I don't want to get in the way of that. And so I definitely want there to be a good impression. And so when you start thinking like that, you can, especially when you think about impressions, sometimes we, we overcompensate because we want to do things so much so that, that we, we, we put on a show, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and we're doing too much. You know what I'm saying? It's like, calm down. Just, it's going to be, they're going to like you for who you are. Just calm down. Like, no, no, I need them to see. Calm down, son. Um, and sometimes, honestly, we get like that with the Lord. Because sometimes when we got that stretch that wasn't so, let's call it godly, we got to compensate. So let me get spiritual real quick. You know what I'm saying? And change the way I talk, change some of the things I do real, real fast. So it doesn't give the appearance that I had a struggle for the last two weeks. I can just give the impression that, that I'm really, really strong. And at the end of the day, sometimes we think that we're convincing God that we didn't have that going on when he knew all along what we had going on. And even in our struggle, he was still showing up. But for whatever reason... We feel this need to put on this, uh, I don't know other, no other word to call it, but this show, this, this acting performance to make it look like nothing ever happened. And can I just tell you, the Lord doesn't even want that. The Lord doesn't even need that. He just wants what? He just wants our heart. At the end of the day, he just wants our heart. And I believe that when we put on these attempts to try to be more religious, or put on these shows, what we are actually doing is losing heart. Because we can't do enough to keep the appearance. And some of the discouragement that we have from that is because we're trying to be someone that we're not instead of being who God wants us to be. But it's interesting because on the outside, it looks good. 
right? On the outside, it looks like you're an overcomer, but on the inside, we ain't overcoming nothing, right? On the outside, you look spiritual, but on the inside, we're a mess. And sometimes I know it's like, hey, brother, I'm not faking it. I'm faithing it till I make, I get all that stuff. I get it. But sometimes it's more of a compensation than it is a conviction. That's what I'm saying. And this happens to us um, more than what we're willing to admit. Because when we're trying to do all of this, we're actually losing heart. And when a living being loses its heart, they're losing their life. Could it be that sometimes we just trick ourselves into believing that everything is good when it's not as good as we portray it to be? This isn't a doom sermon. This, this is one of those messages that helps us to really look at where we're at and ask ourselves, has my walk with God become a show? Has my walk with God become more about other people than it has about him? That, that's what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, think about verse in Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, what? Guard your heart because it affects everything that you do. Wow, guard your heart because it affects everything you do. And what if some of the things that we're doing is actually a result of an unguarded heart? Because we want to be impressive, and so we're better at putting on a religious appearance that impresses others rather than just a sincere heart that God's already given his attention to. Think of this. There are things that we are willing to do as a show to get attention that we don't even have to do because you already have his attention. He's drawn to your heart. Now, when we lose heart, the heart and soul of why we're following Jesus, why we're here at church, when we begin to lose heart, what happens is we begin to fall apart. We don't like to say it that way. That's why the impression is make it look like I got it all together. Am I talking to anybody or is this like a little, a little heavy for a pre-Thanksgiving message? Okay, yeah, I gotta. I want to talk about this today, because on the outside, we we are gonna make it our life goal to make it look like I got it all together, but on the inside, come on, if we were really honest, we would say I don't have it all together. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say I, I don't I don't think you got it all together. <laughs> That's a little bit rude, but you told him that I don't think you got it. You thought it, you were gonna say I don't have it all together. <laughs> I know, I'm just messing with you. Some of y'all are still in the boat of, I don't talk to the person next to me. I'm an introvert. Okay. So when something falls apart, things get pulled in this direction, in that direction, it comes apart. Uh, made me think of this word, dismembered. Dismembered. And that word dismembered means to divide into many parts. Come on. I hope y'all are starting to pick something up here. To divide into many parts, to amputate a part of the body. And if that's what's happening on the inside of us, eventually that's what's going to happen on the outside of us. Where it would either be division that occurs between us and somebody else, or division that occurs within the body of Christ, or dismemberment where uh, the, the meaning said to amputate a part of the body. Oh, I don't want them in my life anymore. And this, this is so important to talk about because we want to have a heart for God. And in order for us to have a heart for God, we've got to have a heart like God. 
and 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 in our show, we're we're better at giving the appearance that we have a heart for God than we are at truly having a heart like God. Amen. Um, I want you to think about losing a body part, losing an arm or a leg, and how much impact that has on your life. Not just on your ability to walk or your big ability to pick things up, but on your life. Because it's layered. It, 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 oh, I didn't realize I used my leg for that, like getting out of bed. I didn't realize I needed that leg to help swing me over. I'm in my 40s. You know what I'm saying? When you're 18, you just roll out of bed. It ain't a problem. When you're 42, it's a little bit harder. You know what I'm saying? Got to get some momentum. Um, but it affects the whole body. So as we're thinking about this, I'm thinking about what goes on in the heart of an individual Whenever we are becoming dismembered on the inside, eventually it's going to affect the people that are immediately around us. And there's potential for that dismemberment that's happening on the inside to show up in our homes, show up at places that we work, show up in our church, show up at different places. And we're trying to put together how can this happen. And a lot of the brokenness and the dismemberment that we see all across our world today, it didn't just happen because a bunch of people got mad at each other. It happened because of things that's going on in our heart. And, and we, we're better at blaming somebody else and saying it's their fault than looking at ourselves and say, you know what? The spectacular show that I've been trying to put on just can't carry me. At some point, we got to get to the heart. And as we're looking at this today, um, I consider how we come in here week after week, and we're all different. I mean, there's some different people in here. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're just different. You're just different. You're different. Some of y'all been needing to say that. It's like, whoo, I feel better about today now. Now we can do Thanksgiving, Pastor Wade. Thank you. Thank you. You're just different. Um, We're different, but what's so incredible is we come together for the same reason. As different as we are. We joke about it. We all have different teams that we like in here, right? We've got different teams. But at the end of the day, we want Jesus. So we can come together even though there are differences. There's all types of opinions in this room. I'm telling you, we have some heightened, very opinionated people that come to church here. And some of y'all are like, yeah, I can tell who they are. I know. Some opinionated people in here. But for, for, but for some reason, we come together. And that reason, obviously, is Jesus. Um, but even though we attend, even though we might call Emerge Church our home, doesn't necessarily mean we were united. Like we can come together. I don't mean we're united. I mean, listen, many of you are going to be having lunch on Thursday with family members and you're going to come together. Come on. But that don't mean you're united. We got to go. Traffic's getting bad. Ain't no traffic. There's no traffic. We live in the country. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> anyway, don't mess with that. Um, <clears throat> it's very easy to give these outward appearances of togetherness. Whether it's you, given the appearance that you got it together, or family, given the appearance that we got it together. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it's very easy to give those appearances. But inwardly, there can be issues. There can be opinions. There can be mindsets. There can be beliefs even that separate us. And it's not always seen, but it is usually felt. I don't know about y'all, but it's usually felt. Um, And so just like that can happen with an individual, just like that can happen with a family, that can also happen in a church. Seriously. There's a lot of different ideas about church, by the way. A lot of people want it to be more traditional. That's fine. Some people want it to be more modern. That's fine, too. Uh, Some people like the music to be louder. Some people like it to be softer. A lot of different approaches to all of it. And over time, if we're not careful, it can become more about our preferences than it can be about the one that we're here for. This, uh, y'all know the little saying, we're about to start saying it because after Thursday, we officially kick off the Christmas season. Um, uh, You know the, the saying, Jesus is the reason for the season? My mom had a bumper sticker on our station wagon growing up that said that. We had a big station wagon with the wood grain. Anybody feeling that? How many of y'all had the long sled? That thing was a yacht. My father. We should pray for him. My dad worked on that car so much. Man. I don't know why I told you that, but it made you laugh. So felt like y'all needed that right there during this part of the sermon. Let me figure out where I was talking about. So you got all of us that are coming together as a church, comes together as family. And we got these outward appearances, but we got these inward things that we got to work on. And what's challenging is some of us have been working on it for a while. And when I say a while, I'm not talking about the last six months. I'm talking years. Am I right? There are just some things that it's been a long while that we've been dealing with some things. And some of y'all are like, Pastor Wade, you need to get it in gear. Hold tight. Okay going to go somewhere with this. I'm trying to set the stage. Um, there are some things in us, on the inside of us, uh, let me say it like this, that can cause us to fall apart. That, that we, we didn't expect that to happen, but this has been such a theme in our lives that when something else occurs, it becomes too much because I still got that thing that I'm holding on to. I didn't realize my heart was that fragile. Thought I was strong, but then that happened. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about here today? And so that happens in us. That can happen in families. That can happen in churches. But this is usually where we go for the impression. This is usually where we go for putting on the front because if somebody asks, I might break down. I don't know why they ask me because I want to break down. And I just put that away and we can go do life and do all the different things that we've got to do. And what I realize is we think no one else is in that same category as us when we're all in the same boat. We're all dealing with some stuff. We all got some things on the inside of us that's trying to pull us apart. And sometimes it's easier to to deflect on what's happening around us than what's really going on on the inside of us. Amen. And so whenever you start talking like this, it begins to give some perspective because I don't believe God wants us to be falling apart. I think he wants us to be fit together. Amen? I think he wants us to be fit together. And so Ephesians 4.16, it says, he makes the whole body, what? Fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
So we going from falling apart and how are we going to get this together? It didn't say, hey, look, you got to put on a show. What is it saying here? He makes it come together. And so God wants us to be, watch this word, he wants us to be whole. And the key to being whole isn't the outward appearance, but what is it? It's the heart. It's the heart. And so when we read earlier about having a heart for God, it, there's a lot more meaning to it. Because we've become a little bit cliche in our culture with certain things. So if someone just says, I have a heart for God, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's great. Heart for God. Heart for the Lord. I get a plaque with that on it at Hobby Lobby. It's so common. It's so, but, but to have a true heart for the Lord, I think there's some ramifications that are really good for us. It's not just sentimental. It's life-changing. Like that, this is what I want us to see here today. And so we've got to focus our heart for God. We've got to focus, put more focus on our heart for God. Like, I, I want you to hear that. We've got to put more focus on a heart for God than we are making plans for all the things that we've got to do to make our heart look like it's all okay to people that are in the same boat as us. Okay. Watch this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, okay? And, I, and I'm sharing this scripture today, and it's in the context of the church, but I want to take it from the, being the corporate church down to you individually. Acts 2, 42, verse 40, 40, Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now think of this, all the believers, you got to think of a bunch of individuals. So if we just say all y'all at church today, it's just, it doesn't sound specific, but it is specific at the same time, because in order for it to be all y'all, there's a bunch of individuals. Are y'all following? Like you can't have this many people here if this many people don't come. I know that's deep and some of you will get that later after lunch. Be laying down to take a nap, be like, Phew. it's life changing. Never thought of it that way. But sometimes we're so general in our approach to it, but even in the generality of our lives, God is still specific. And so even though it's a crowd, God can still get to the person in the crowd. That's what I, I need you to see here. But the question is in the middle of the crowd, can I still get to Jesus? Because we would rather stay and impress the crowd with the outward than to get to Jesus with the inward. That's, that's what I'm trying to get us to see. We, we think it more important to make sure everybody else around us likes us rather than to step close to the one who loves us. Okay? And, and so we get hung up in the spectacular and the show and, and, and all of the following rather than being a follower of Jesus because what our heart needs isn't found in them. It's only found in him. That's, that's what I'm trying to help you to see today. And so verse 43, let's keep reading. A deep sense of all came over them all. Okay. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
And each day the Lord added to to their fellowship those that were being saved. Now, I've talked about this section of scripture before because a lot of times we read something like that. Okay, let's make a template out of it and follow it. And so many times this is what we do with scripture. This is what we do with sermons. This is what we do with things that are taught to us. Let's memorize it and let's imitate it instead of capturing the heart of it. Instead of capturing the heart of it. So look what they were devoted to. And by the way, devotion is something that comes from your heart. Their heart. They were devoted to their leaders. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They, they saw this is good for my heart. They, they realized that the more I hear this, the more I can apply this to my heart. They were devoted to each other. They had this thing called fellowship. And can I just say that the, 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 the church cultural reference of fellowship is like after church having casseroles and all that. That's not fellowship. That's eating. Real fellowship is I will walk with you. I will walk with you. And if I got to cook a casserole for you because you're sick, I'll cook a casserole for y'all. You know what I'm saying? But I will stand with you in whatever you're walking through. I'm going to be with you. That, that's the essence of what fellowship is. They share in the good times and the bad. They can celebrate or they can suffer. They were devoted to this. This, this is what I need you to see. This is their heart. They weren't just doing it because, oh, okay, so we're, like, we're kind of like moving into leadership in the church, so we probably should cook something for their family because that's, you know, what the leaders do. No, their heart was these people are suffering, and they need help, and so let's help them. That comes from the heart. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. They were devoted to, to the Lord's Supper, the covenant meal. They were devoted to communion because this is the meal of the remembrance of Jesus. They were remembering Jesus. I need you to grab this today. They were remembering Jesus. That's why they were having communion, because they were remembering Jesus. It wasn't communion they were trying to accomplish. It was remembering Jesus that they were trying to accomplish, and they devoted themselves to it because it was a matter of the heart. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to call on Jesus for help, to call on Jesus for their needs, to call on Jesus for their direction. Watch this. They were devoted to it. It was their heart. It wasn't just their reaction to bad things happening. This was how they rolled. This is our heart, so we pray. And what you see in that verse of Scripture, because like 47, where it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship, they were enjoying the goodwill of the people. What you see is there's some ingredients right there for a very healthy church community. You see that people, the best of them is being brought out in this setting. Like, like, think of this. If somebody saw you in need financially and they owned a piece of property, And they decided without even consulting with you that they were going to sell their property and take the money to help you with your financial need. They ain't just rich. They got a good heart. Am I right? Like something in their heart is right. Like I I need us to see beyond the surface of what people are doing and get to the heart of what's actually going on. I think we got to do that when it comes to church as well, because sometimes church just becomes get there, get coffee, get a seat, hear the music, hear the message. That was good. Drop a tip and offering and go to the house. Listen, if that's all it is for you, you're missing out on a lot, like so much that you're missing out on because God doesn't want to just get to your ears. He wants to get where to your heart, because that's where we need him in our heart, because our heart is all messed up. 
Our heart is where the issues are. The Lord just wants to get to our heart. And one of the things I want to focus on today that they were devoted to was this covenant meal. They were devoted to the Lord's Supper. They were devoted to communion. And communion is this meal that was put together by the Lord to remember him. And my thought was, this is a legacy meal. Remember how we were talking a couple weeks ago about legacy is what you're remembered for? When we receive communion together and we share that meal, it's a legacy. I'm remembering his legacy. And you say, why would you want to talk about it? Because sometimes communion becomes this church ritual that you just, oh, you're supposed to do it. You know, Uh, it's a a big service coming up. Christmas Eve is coming up. We got to have communion because that's what you're supposed to do. Easter, big one, got to do it. You know what I'm saying? All this. And so on the outside, we got all these feelings and thoughts towards it. And, and you know, you got the juice and you got the bread and you got to do it. And we do it all together. And on the outside, it looks so good. But on the inside. Remember, the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. But what does he look at? The heart. The heart. This word, the word that I want to bring up today is the word Covenant. Jesus told us in Luke 22, he said, do this in remembrance of me. When Jesus came, he came to start a new covenant. There was an old covenant that was being operated, and everything was based off of the law, meaning this, that your ability to be right with God was based off of how well you followed the law. Look at your neighbor and say, well, I failed. Right? (laughs) I just saw somebody look over to somebody that wasn't sitting next to him when they said it. That was good, man. That was great. Non-confrontational. Jesus started a new covenant. And his covenant wouldn't be based on the law, but it would would be based on truth and grace. And that truth and grace wasn't just something that was written on tablets, but it was a person. And his name was Jesus. See, Jesus was saying this whenever he came. Let me summarize it. All of the performing that you're trying to do to make yourself look good enough for God, it's not working. It's falling short. But Jesus said, I will come and create a bridge, a relationship with God that is full of grace and truth. The grace to get you there and the truth to keep you going. Did you hear that? The grace to get you there, but the truth to get you going. Because grace will save you, amen, but truth will keep you going. A lot of people, they want the grace, but they don't want to deal with the truth. Amen? You got to have it. And so he starts this covenant. It's a new covenant. And this covenant is an agreement with God and his people in which God makes certain promises and requires certain behavior. Ooh, I like the promises, Pastor Wade. Let's think about the promises. What if we took some of them songs where we're singing all about the promises of God and interchanged it with the behaviors of man? We were talking about this one night at worship rehearsal. Uh, I think Catherine said it. She said, true worship is being able to love your enemies. got quiet up in there, just like it got quiet up in here. I know, right? It's like, let's sing about the promises of God, amen. There, yes, and amen in Christ Jesus. But that loving your neighbor thing, loving your enemies thing. Oh, God, I need help. But he starts this covenant with us that's based off of his promises 
and also our behavior. So when communion is created, watch this. I'm going to break it down. It's created to, number one, remember Jesus. It, it, it puts focus back on Jesus, and this is where we commemorate what Jesus has done for us, the death, the burial, the resurrection, because without him, we don't have new life. All we have is, I'm going to try. That's it. Without Jesus, that's what you got. I'm going to try, and I'm going to sound spiritual when I do it, because hopefully that will be impressive enough to God that he will let me into heaven. But the new covenant was, you don't have to put on a show. You just got to give him your heart. Amen. You got to give him your heart. And if you give him your heart, if you really give him your heart, your life is going to change. Your actions are going to change. Your language is going to change because out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So if your heart changes, your mouth changes. But if your mouth ain't changing, it means some hard things need to change. Are, are, are y'all grabbing this? So he wanted to get to the heart. And so remember Jesus was one of the reasons why we have communion. It's to remember Jesus because without him, we're nothing. The second thing is to remember God's covenant. And a lot of us, we hear about the covenant. We're thankful that we have a covenant. But do we even understand what's entailed in the covenant? Like I know salvation, that's the obvious one. We love it. Get saved. Follow Jesus. Let's do it. Amen. We're praying for people to get saved. We're praying for people to follow Jesus. That's just a part of the covenant. Another part of the covenant, guess what? It's healing. He still heals. Do you believe that today? God can heal. He is still the healer. And so when we remember God's covenant, I remember that he saves. I remember that he changes heart. But I also remember that he heals. Oh, I'm glad I went and looked up the covenant. Um, in my neighborhood, uh, we have these covenants uh, or restrictions, whatever you want to call them. Uh, man, I, I want a shed. Every dude needs a shed. I got a garage, but I want a shed. I would love to have a pole barn. I just don't see it happening in the neighborhood. But, man, it would be awesome. It would be great. What would you say? Put it up and ask for forgiveness? <laughs> Stretch your hand towards this section right here. <clears throat> But they, they have these covenants, and there's only certain things you can do. There's certain things that you, you, you can't do. And, um, and there are people that push the, the lines on the covenants. You know what I'm saying? Some people, they keep their yards up. Other people, um, they're letting life express itself in their yard. Um, <laughs> some people keep their house fresh look. Others are going for a more vintage look. Um so there are covenants and there are things in the covenants in our neighborhood we didn't know were in there until we go look at it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know that was in there until we go look at it or we try to do something and they come and they put that little thing on your mailbox. At least that's what they do in our neighborhood. So the covenant, it's a covenant that gives us salvation, the covenant that brings healing. I, I, I want to use this word. It's a general word, but it applies so deep. The word wholeness. Wholeness. Oh, I know. You say, Pastor Wade, don't forget about holiness. Oh, I agree with holiness, too. I know about the holiness thing, set apart. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, holiness. But holiness and wholeness go together. See, because our view of holiness is an appearance, but true holiness is a condition of the heart. And honestly, can I just say it like this? Your true holiness isn't dependent on what you do, but it's who you know. Because you can't be holy without God. And what's crazy is we will do a lot of things to try to appear holy enough to him. 
And that's not coming from your heart. It's coming from your abilities. And the reality is you are not able to be holy enough for God. The only way you can be holy is because of God. That's why, that's why he had to make a covenant with us. Because the Old Testament is full of people who were trying to be holy that couldn't be holy enough. Like, think of this. They all broke the commandments. Every one of them. The prophets too. King David, King David had some stories, y'all. Am I right? Oh, I know he killed Goliath. That's great. And I know, oh, Jesus, son of David. I know all that. But David had some stories. He had some stuff. But because of the new covenant now, even though you had some stuff, there's some redemption for the stuff. Some redemption. That's a big word. Redemption. It can be redeemed. And I'm bringing this to your attention. You say, but I thought we were talking about communion. We are talking about communion. But because we have reduced it so much just to, oh, this is what we do on that Sunday at church and you're supposed to do it because this is what you do at church, we lose the heart of what it's truly all about. And if we can get back to the heart of what God really wants to do and get back to the heart of the covenant, I got a feeling we will see more of the covenant at work in our lives. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Uh, uh, another thing that communion does, it, it helps you to remember your identity in Christ. It brings you back to who you are in Christ. Think of this. You've you got to confess that Jesus is Lord. You have to give him your life. I'm not my own. Now I belong to him. I am a son of God. If you're a lady, you're a daughter of God. I'm not just who I am. I belong to him. He's put his identity on me. And now I am his. And so when I try to give an appearance off to other people, they're just seeing who I have been. They don't see who I am in Christ. They see my struggles, but they don't realize there's someone that has bought me and purchased me with the blood. Come on. The blood of Jesus that is paying off the debts of my sin and all those things that I was doing. Not just so I wouldn't do it anymore, but so that I could be redeemed for service. So I can step into some of the new things that God has for me instead of just, well, you can't do that with them because they were this and they were that and you got the big X on them. God removes the X off of our lives is what I'm trying to get you to see. All this in communion, y'all. Remember your identity in Christ. And I think it also reminds us we're the church. It helps us to see that we are the body of believers and it promotes and it indicates this common union that we have and it's Jesus Christ. That word communion, in fact, means common union. So watch this, even though we're all different, there's one common thing that brings us together and it's Jesus. And no matter who you are in here, how successful you've been or how much of a failure you think you've been, we're all in the same boat because here's the boat we're in. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. You say, Pastor Wade, I've never sinned. Can I tell you, you need Jesus because you just lied. We'll see you here at the altar in a few minutes. We all need him. Be careful when you look at others that look like they have it all together, that you don't just assume that they have it all together. So, Pastor Wade, are you tell me I could just walk around and look like I'm struggling all day? No, pull, pull yourself together and act like you got a Savior. Amen? Can I say that again, or is that just non-empathetic? Pull yourself together and act like you've got a Savior. 
I get it. March around Jericho for seven days because you're going through it. But on the seventh day, march around seven times and you better blow a horn and you better shout so the walls can come down. And listen, there's a lot of people marching around Jericho and the walls aren't falling because they just don't want to shout. See, in order to shout, I got to have faith. I got to have faith to believe that God can do it even though I don't see it happening. And so I throw my hands up and I lift up my voice and I give God praise even in the face of all the things that have me bound because He is greater than this thing that has me bound. Okay? And so we can't, listen, if we're going to live this thing, we got to live like we got a Redeemer. If we're going to live this thing, we got to live like we've got a Savior. Amen? we got to live like it instead of just waiting to see what He's going to do. Listen, it's a step of believing that God's covenant was for me. It's for you individually. I know it said all, but all the people is made up of all the individuals. That's another mic drop moment. You're going to catch it later. But God would assemble all of these people here today in this setting just like this, just so that he could get to you personally. So he can get directly to you through a message on communion so that you would realize that this church thing is not a spectacular show, but it's a matter of the heart. And God cares about your heart. And he sees that it's in a million pieces. But last week I talked about pieces that God is the one who can put together all the pieces. He puts together the pieces. 1 Corinthians 11. This is the covenant meal. Paul is instructing the church how to have the Lord's Supper. He's telling them how to have communion. He gave thanks to God for it and broke the pieces bread into pieces. You hear that? He broke it into pieces. And he says, this is my body which is given for you. See, he was broken into pieces so that all the pieces of your life can be brought together. He said, do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Not just his word, but it's blood, meaning I ain't just saying it and this isn't one of them little legal contracts. Come on. But this is a life-giving contract. And, and, and some of us need to hear this because we read the Bible like it's a law book and we try to live according to all the laws that the Bible writes. But can I tell you, the, ball, the Bible isn't just made up of laws. It is full of life. And life speaks to the heart. The law speaks to our intellect, but the life speaks to our heart. And sometimes we'll just take these laws that are written and it just becomes fuel for another performance. Instead of getting to the life that is in the scripture and letting the word of God begin to speak to us. And instead of me just reading the Bible, now the Bible begins to read me. Come on. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Legacy. See, the legacy came from him and his willingness to lose his life. When we think legacy, we're thinking about gains, gains, gains. And Jesus said legacy was all about losing so that you can gain. We gain so that we won't lose. 
And Jesus said, no, it starts with losing so that you can gain. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's a verse. Am I right? Some of y'all are like, uh-oh. I wish I would knew about communion ahead of time, Pastor Wade. I would have acted a little bit better this week. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Boy, that's a little bit heavy. There was one word right there that grabbed me, though. It's the word unworthy. Unworthy. And here's why it grabbed my attention. Because sometimes when we serve communion, it's all about the little communion packet. Just give me the, where's the communion packet. Okay, go ahead and say the thing. Say, can we all eat together? Oh, I don't want to go before nobody else. Can we all eat? Okay, okay. okay. Now we're drinking? Okay, now we're drinking. Amen, amen. That's good. Communion was good today. There's so much more. There's so much more. And it's to, to treat it unworthily, it means this. It simply means just to treat it as something normal. And how much in our walk with God has just become normal? There was a word that the Lord just dropped in my heart this week. I mentioned it to our staff this morning. It's the word sacred. Sacred. There are things that are losing its sacredness in our culture today. There are. Like, I feel like marriage is losing its sacredness. I feel like church is losing its sacredness. Like, worship now, uh, I gotta have my coffee. And look, we're going to keep making coffee. I'm not trying to dog anybody. I'm just saying. But if it's more about getting to church to get the coffee than it is about getting to Jesus, come on, man. We're, we're losing sight of what this is about. That's what I'm trying to get us to see. Like when we come together to worship as a church family, that's a sacred moment. This is sacred. This, is, this isn't just, I didn't like that song. Uh, why, why is it loud? No, no, no. This is, I'm here to worship the Lord no matter what song they play. I don't like it, but I love the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, can we get to the place to where there is more honor and cherishing of what the Lord gives us because of his covenant than we are about all the methods and the means in which it is done? See, I, I, as a person, as a church, it's about getting to the heart of God and not just the appearance of man. He said, do this to remember me. Remember earlier I said that the body, it could become dismembered, could fall apart, falling apart on the inside. He said, do this to what? Remember. Dismember, fall apart. Remember, put it back together. Come on, somebody needed this word today. Today, we're going to participate in communion. Get back to the heart of God. Remember. There's been some distance between me and the Lord. But today I'm going to remember. I'm going to reconnect with the Lord. I'm going to remember Jesus. I'm going to remember why we're here. I'm going to remember his brokenness so that I could be made whole. Are you getting this? I took the long road to get to this part. He wants to help us to 
remember what he did for us, to remember the covenant that he made with us. But did you know that communion also reminds God of his promises to us? If you and I had a contract together, a covenant together, and we sit, we sit down together over a meal, we want to talk about the contract. Keeping your end, I'm keeping my end. Let's keep our ends. That's what I'm saying. That way you get the full benefit and I get the full benefit. Communion is that meal where we sit with the Father. We're sitting with the Father and we're like, let's go over to the terms of the covenant again. And when we go over the terms, he reminds us of our part, but we also remind him of his part. Come on. We remember the church. We're together in covenant with God. And so watch this. This is where we'll wrap up. In verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 11, where it says to examine yourselves, watch this. This is what I want us to do. This is where we look inward. I look inward to see, is there something between me and the Lord? Something I need to get right with God? We look outward. Because said examine. I look inward. I look outward. Is there someone that I have a grudge against? Someone that I have unforgiveness towards? See, I'm looking in, checking on me, but I'm also looking out, checking on them because there are people that are part of, parts of our lives where our heart is reflected. So I'm looking outward to see, do I have something against somebody? I look upward because this is where I recognize, God, I need you. <laughs> and I know, I know all the things that he's done for me. Look what he did on the cross, but I also look onward. And this is where I live every day with the expectation of what God has for me. And so when we receive communion together, this is really what it's saying. I'm not going to live a show. I'm not going to put on a spectacular show. I'm going to live a life that only God can give. I want us to receive communion this morning. If you need some elements of the Lord's Supper, would you just lift your hand? They handed them out as you came in, but if you need one, just lift your hand. We're going to receive this together. But before we do, examine yourself. Examine. Look inward. Is there anything between you and the Lord right now? Look outward. Is there someone that you need to forgive? You're, you're probably saying, Pastor Wade, does that mean I need to get up from here like right now, go find them and go say, I forgive you and then hurry back and hopefully y'all didn't take communion yet. Listen, forgiveness starts with the heart. Before it's a conversation, it starts with the heart. See, forgiveness is I decided in my heart to forgive them before I even had the conversation with them. Y'all grabbing that? So before I receive the Lord's Supper, I want to say, Lord, hard to forgive them, but I, I forgive them. Might need to set up a conversation, but you made the decision in your heart. Might need to do that. Might need to look up and remember this whole walk with God wasn't based on what you were able to do, but what he has done and your response to it. I'll just say it like this. Get out of the driver's seat and let him drive the bus. And to look onward, look forward. And I want to give us a moment right here just for you to personally pray and get your heart in a place to where you're right with the Lord.
And as your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe perhaps hearing this message today, it's open your eyes to realize, I need Jesus. Because perhaps you look at the, the condition of your life and you look at the condition of your heart and you would say, Pastor Wade, my life is all over the place. I feel like I'm falling apart. And today I want you to know that there is a guaranteed covenant that God has already made that is available to you right now to bring redemption and wholeness, salvation and healing. And the step that is required of you to be a part of this covenant is simply to believe. To believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead and to confess that he is the Lord and Savior of your life. And if you believe him and you confess that he is Lord, the Bible tells us you will be saved. Salvation is available to you right now. You say, Pastor Wade, I feel like this is a rush thing. This isn't rush. The Lord's been working in your life for a long time to get you to right where you are this moment. You were supposed to be here. This is the moment. But if you're here today and you know it's time to surrender your life to Jesus and you say, Pastor Wade, I don't want religion. I don't want to show, but I want to submit my life to Jesus. Make him the Lord and Savior of my life. I want you to lift your hand right now. No one's looking around. Anyone else? I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Come on, hands are all over this room. Anyone else? You can put them down. I see them in the room. You can put them down. Anyone else? I, I've, I need to give my life to Jesus today. No religious show. Giving my life to Jesus. Amen. 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 I want you to repeat this prayer after me today, church. Everyone's going to pray it. This is the starting point for you. Those who raise your hand, those who are making a decision to recommit to the Lord today, I want us all as a church body to pray this together out loud. It's not the prayer. It's the faith that allows you to speak what we're about to pray. And Jesus responds to your faith. Pray this with me today. Say, dear Lord, Thank you for loving me. Even when I was putting on a show to hide the fact that I'm a sinner and I need you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Today I heard the good news and I respond to it with faith. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins so that I can be forgiven and made new. So I confess now that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And in you, I have new life. I surrender my life to you now. And I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. That's worth a clap of praise right there, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as we receive this together this morning as a church body that is made up of individuals, that our heart before you will receive this worthily. Jesus, we thank you for the covenant. 
and the price that was paid for each and every one of us to know your redemption, to know your salvation, to know your healing. And Father, today we remember you. We remember what you've done for us in this covenant. But we also remind you in faith, you're the Savior. We remind you today, you're the healer. We remind you today, you're the provider. Father, I pray that as we receive this together, these elements will be blessed, but more importantly, our hearts will be right before you. As we receive this, Lord, I pray, God, you will remember us and we will remember you. And today, God, you will bring us together. Make us whole, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would take your communion out before you open the grape juice, I recommend you shake it, by the way. Why don't we all stand as we receive this together this morning? Again, let's make this moment sacred. It's the reality that a person gave their life for us to be able to do this today. Thank God he gave his life for us. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup that was full of wine, which represents the blood of Jesus. The life of God was in the blood of Jesus. That was shed for each and every one of us so our sins could be forgiven. The death that was upon us because of our sin has now become life because of his life on the cross. He passed the cup. He said, take and drink. pray today that as we taught about this and as we receive communion together that we never look at communion again as just something simple that we do in church but we realize the magnitude of what we're participating in when we receive the Lord's Supper it's not just a sacrament it's not just a tradition it is so symbolic of the covenant and the life of Jesus And I pray that everything, everything in the covenant will come to pass in our lives. Everything. Not just the parts that we like, but all the parts. The grace, the truth, the power of God. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you joined us for this message. If you would like to give to help us continue to reach more people, you can go to our website, merchchurch.com, and click on Give. We hope to see you at church this Sunday.